K-A-L-W. I'm Greg Eskridge, coming at you from the San Quentin side of Uncuffed. Today we have something special for you. We're going to take it out of San Quentin, out of California, out of the United States even. That's right, Uncuff is taking you to Norway. So last summer, we heard that a bunch of Uncuff staff and former participants on the outside were taking a trip to Oslo. You may be like, why Norway? Well, when we heard, we knew exactly why. Norway is known for having a very unique prison system. It's often called the most humane in the world. And we've heard things like they get to wear their own clothes, the prisons are beautiful, and the food is good. So the Uncuffed team went to check out some of these prisons, and we sent them over with a few questions. What's the worst thing about being in a Norwegian prison? And what's the best thing? If you could change one thing about living in a Norwegian prison, what would it be? How do the correctional officers treat incarcerated people? Uncuffed producer Tommy Shakur Ross was one of the guys on that trip, visiting these Norwegian prisons we've heard so much about. You know, I just got out of prison after doing 36 and a half years, and, uh, and that was a little over a month ago. So it's, uh, in the words of Tom, it's bananas that I'm going, getting ready to go into a prison in Norway. <laughs> And he took a tour of one of the most famous high-security Norwegian prisons called Halden. Halden has won awards for its architecture and has been featured in documentaries. Let's listen to what Shakur shared back with us. Just a note, here at Uncuffed, we do not use the word inmate. We prefer to go by incarcerated folks. However, in Norway, things are different. So you will hear that word used a couple of times. One at a time, leave everything in the boxes, and then you have to go through without the beep. It's the same procedure as you do at the So if one just keep the door, I will just... After spending so much time in an American prison, it was a trip to check myself in voluntarily to a prison in another country. Hi, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Hi. When we arrived at Halden, a correctional officer named Linda Hansen met us out front. She was friendly and engaging. She'd been a guard here for almost 10 years. Today, she was our tour guide. So this is where all inmates are coming. Either they are leaving or entering the premises. So here they will be taken into either a checkup or straight into the cells. In California, I was taken into prison in a van with no windows, wearing shackles. In Norway, Linda says a lot of guys just check themselves in. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, they show up. They have gotten a letter that they are supposed to show up for the, doing a sentence, and many of them actually do need that. So yeah, wow. a lot of them are coming in by themselves. Hard yeah. to imagine just strolling up to the gate and be like, okay, here to serve my time. But it probably helps to know that most people in Norway only serve a few years. So... We are entering onto the prison grounds, and what I see is it doesn't look like 
a prison in California. Uh, I could say, looks like almost like a college campus, some type of dormitory. Yes, we walk past concrete buildings and chain link fences, but there are no guard towers. Instead, there are big windows and lots of natural light. There's trees everywhere, and in front of us, a beautifully maintained soccer field. Uh, see a couple of guys on a soccer field, kicking the ball around. Their colors are red. Guess probably, that's probably why they were looking at me in my shirt. I learned later that the red clothing was only what newly incarcerated people wear. But once it's been approved, they can go back to wearing their own personal clothing. Yes, their own clothes. No prison blues like in Cali. So this is the library, so when the inmates go shopping, they also have access to this. So they can rent movies, films, series. Series is the high thing right now, so yeah. This is a really good library. We saw the library with books that you'd never be able to get in California prisons. But maybe my favorite spot was the band room. They had an amazing drum set. I'm playing the drums in a Norwegian prison. This is Thomas Shakur Ross with one of his elementary school beats. And then there were the living spaces. When you walk in, you first enter a common space, kind of like our shared day rooms at San Quentin. But this one had a fancy TV and video games, a dartboard, and a kitchen. It's the kitchen? <laughs> it smelled like pizza. And very quickly, we found the chef. We are 10 men here. And uh, 10 men can uh, cook whatever they want. This is Silva, who was cooking for the rest of his dorm. They can uh, use this uh, industrial oven to whatever they want. They can watch TV. We can play cards. And, uh, but what impressed me the most is that when Silva's cooking, He's got big old knives that he can just pick up and use whenever he wants. But let me tell you about their individual single cells. I had some good cellies over the years, but your own cell? So I'm looking at this. In this particular cell, they have a refrigerator, right? They have a bed. They have a, a dresser and a desk. And even have a whiteboard. Yeah, this this doesn't look like a, a jail cell. It looks like a hospital room. Yeah. A door to your own bathroom? That doesn't exist in any prison in the state of California. Even having your own cell is rare. California prisons are notoriously overcrowded, and San Quentin is no exception. Tell any guy at San Quentin they can have this cell over their 4 by 10 cell and they jump at the chin. So this is the grocery store, and all units are coming down here to shop once a week. Yeah, you heard that right. A grocery store. And it does really feel like a little shop you might walk into off the street. So they have tomatoes, oranges, apples. There are spices. Look at this. They have actual meat that you can buy. They have hot dogs. They have... Bacon, right? This is a this is a real grocery store, y'all. I heard about it. 
but now I'm seeing it for the first time. This store was blowing my mind. So I asked an incarcerated store clerk named Andre to give me the lowdown. Can I just ask you a few questions? Of course. Yeah. Okay. So, say for instance, I lived in this prison and I wanted to make a purchase. How would I make a purchase here? You would come inside, uh, grab a basket, a basket, and just pick out your, the items you would like to purchase. Yeah. And you will have um, an inmate card. Uh, looks like this. So he's pulling out what looks like a, a debit. Turn it, turn it on the other side, the back side. Yeah, it looks like a debit card, actually. It yeah, is a debit yeah. card. So in the prison back where I came from, you can only shop once a month. Once a month. And if you miss that, and look, you had to wait in line. It would be like chaos. Yeah. Isaiah Daniels was one of the former incarcerated guys on our trip. And he was just as amazed as I was. I mean, this is just outrageous. I've never seen <laughs> These guys are still in prison, no matter how we look at it. They're still in prison. But it looks like they try to make their lives as easy as possible. And as I keep hearing from the guards, they keep saying, we're not here to punish them. They have already punished themselves by putting themselves here. And so what the guards here do, or this here type of prison, the model that I'm seeing, it helps them to um, build back the self-esteem that they lost. That thing that Isaiah is talking about, the relationship with officers, it's one of the major philosophies behind Norway's prison system. In California, all guards get is a 13-week academy. Guards here grow through two years of training, the equivalent of an associate's degree. Well, we learn uh, all from criminology until um, ethics. We learn about communication skills. We learn first aid. We also learn, you know, about the communication skills. It's like de-escalating conversation. In Norway, guards don't carry guns. They are trained to only use force when absolutely necessary and help counsel incarcerated people through problems. Another guard told us they're encouraged to socialize and eat together and play games. We play cards, backgammon, yeah. uh, table tennis. Yeah. Uh, we go out for walks and, and like they have their issues, they have their stories. And I spend quite a lot of time talking to each and every one of them when we have the time. When we were walking around the grounds, we came across a bunch of incarcerated folks hanging out, sitting around a picnic table, smoking with some guards. We first chatted with a guy named Patrick. What, what is it that you really like about the, the region prisons? It's the three-star hotel. Three-star hotel? It's like the Holiday Inn. Okay, and what is it that you don't like? Uh, the court system. The court system. I cannot believe it. But when we walked up to this group, one of the incarcerated guys put his arm around a female guard's neck and he gave her a noogie. In California, he would have been taken away in handcuffs, heading straight to the hole. They, they, they don't try to punish us. They just try to help us through it. I think that really works because it, it gives you opportunity to feel witnessed and seen. Like, yeah. I see you. Yeah, you don't get so far away from society here as you yeah. do probably over there. Right, 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 right. But they said that even so, a lot of Norwegians don't love the idea that prisons are getting all this funding. 
to have big sales, full service grocery stores, and great relationships with guards. So a few years ago, people voted in politicians who cut a bunch of funding to prisons. Here's another incarcerated guy named Torstone. Prison was the flagship of Norway, you know, it got the most funding, it got the most programs, but some people reacted and when the government changed, they changed the, they lose the election, eight years ago or something, right? They start taking away the money because they was like, if the older cannot, the old people cannot eat good and live good, why should the inmates do that? But they don't understand that this inmate is going to be your neighbor next, next week, next month, next year. This prison is made for, let's say, to have 80 guards on duty all the time, on shifts, you know, but then now they have 40, so sometimes we, they close... And these cuts, it's more than just staffing. We could see the effects in the next location we visited, the family visiting space. It's beautiful. There's all sorts of toys, a treehouse deck, a barbecue, but no one can use it right now. That's because in order for incarcerated people to use the space, they have to complete a parenting class. But because of the budget cuts, that class wasn't available at the time we visited. What so, about, what about uh, uh, self-help groups? No, the funding is gone. Yeah, the, the, no, the funding. It's no funding here. The only is, uh, education you can have here is like basic school. No higher education here now. No higher education. They no. had it before, but they've yeah. taken it away. And they don't have no like. And those big old sales we saw, when there are staffing issues, like during the pandemic, some people were getting locked in those cells for up to 22 hours a day. Near the end of our visit, we walked outside past some basketball hoops and met Eric, who was sitting cross-legged on a bench with his yoga mat. He also had some heavy critiques of the system. Like I say, it's very nice here, uh -huh. but there's no rehabilitation going on here. Mm -hmm. That's that's sort of a farce. They like to pretend that there is a, a rehabilitation because they um, they have sort of a model that is supposed to look like how a, a pro-social lifestyle is. But there's no there's no cognitive change in the process here, and that's sort of. That's one thing, I don't know if it comes out clear enough when international people uh, sort of look at, uh, look at what's going on in Norway. Norwegian prisons aren't punishing people the same way American ones may be, but there aren't nearly the amount of classes or self-help groups that San Quentin has to offer, though San Quentin is really unusual in that respect. In the last couple of years, they've cut down on the, the finances, so it's even worse here. People are actually getting more uh, uh, criminal by being here because, well, when you don't have any programs, what do you expect from, you know, antisocial individuals hanging out? They're just going to continue being more antisocial, you know? Yeah. As I left prison for the second time in just a few months, I thought back to my time at San Quentin. Guys, take care. It's the rehabilitative programs that had the most profound effect on me that made a difference in helping me prepare for life on the outside. But I also would have left prison in better shape if I had the kind of freedoms they had in Norway. Freedom to have your own space and chop your own food and have meaningful relationships with the guards. So there you have it, Greg. I think that if the Norwegian prisons had more access to rehabilitative programs, and if the U.S. prisons had more access to the Norwegian way of not punishing, 
giving the guys an opportunity to be seen, to be witnessed, to be understood. I think it could really make a difference. For Uncuff, this is Tommy Shakur Ross. I'm out. So welcome back to the studio. I'm Greg Eskridge inside of the studio down here at the Media Center. I got two special guests that I just got through listening to some Norway uh, footage with. To my right, go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Yeah, I'm Juan Haynes, uh, senior editor for San Quentin News and contributor to Solitary Watch. I'm Rasan New York Thomas, multimedia, social justice. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So let's jump straight in it. So... So did anybody hear anything in the recording about transferring to Norway? I'm not, I'm <laughs> can not we going. Do a prisoner, can we do a prison, prisoner yeah. swap? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good because prison is prison no matter where you're at. You know, so, um, you know, like what stood out to me, what Shakur was talking about is this relationship that the uh, incarcerated folks there have with the guards and, you know, how it's normalized, this, this normal attempt for normalization, still they have the same problems that we have at San Quentin where programs that are available at least at San Quentin, not universally, but like specifically to San Quentin, the uh, transformative uh, ability for people to not do what they did to get them in the situation that they're in today, the opportunity to change your life. In Norway and in San Quentin, What's common is the lack of availability for people to get to those type of programs. And there's one reason why. And the narrative that prison officials like to put out, staff shortages. In Norway, I heard about funding cuts. Um, that's not the narrative. The truth is that there's too many people locked up on this planet. Hmm. You know, so that that's really stood out to me. What about you, York? Yeah, lost it out to me. Uh, first of all, on this maximum security prison, they got butcher knives. Uh, that's just unheard of, right? Like, mm -hmm. like you wouldn't even imagine like somebody in the maximum security having access to a butcher knife. When you see one, you think riot, fear, all kinds of things, not chopping up vegetables. And so I think that's amazing that it's safe enough. And I think anywhere could be safe enough. Uh, I, I, I think it's just about having relationships with people and treating them like people. Because when you treat people like animals, you you know what I was saying, they act like animals. And so mm -hmm. I think just taking the cages away and, and putting into a, a, a humane setting makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Also, though, um, it's crazy that if, if you are going to be locked down, being locked down in your own cell with your own bathroom is the best way to go. When we were locked down during COVID, it's two men to a cell. You're not going anywhere. When when it was, when COVID was at its height, it was like two, three weeks straight. You didn't get no yard or nothing. It was just straight cell time. And it was horrible. I hate the conditions of San Quentin. It's the worst conditions I've ever experienced anywhere, ever. It's a metal bunk that's beating up our backs. I, I, it wasn't designed for people to, to spend the rest of their lives on. It's just archaic. I mean, this place was built in 1850-something. Hmm. And so it, it reflects that. But it's the best opportunities, and opportunities are more important because these are going to get me out. These are what get it, got me out sooner, and will keep me out forever. The comparison is like Rasan was talking about the cell, right? I, I try to explain people that have never seen it. It's like the size of your average parking space, and so imagine two people having to live 
in that space that you go to Walmart in and get out of your car, you know, so that's the space that Rasan's talking about that two people have to live in. But you know what's so interesting? And one thing that kind of that kind of stood out to me about the audio, and I want both of you guys to chime in on that one you touched on a little bit earlier. We we're talking about the humanity as far as how how the guards treat people, right? And so you heard you heard one of the people talk about being a Norway uh, officer, you have to go to school for two years, right? Yeah. And then as opposed to the CDCR goes thirteen weeks. Yeah, thirteen weeks. And I heard somebody in there talk about ethics and things of that nature, the social sciences, and how that just transcends into the treatment of people inside of the prison. Yeah, I think at its very nature, a correctional officer is a people's person's job. But correction doesn't even think of it like that. They think of, uh, they think of it as a pepper spray job, a, 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 a billy club job, a handcuff job. And how you can tell that is that everything in California, the automatic response is lock them down. Mm-hmm. A riot happens, you ain't got nothing to do with it. Lock them down. A virus happens that they let in, lock it down, right? And you can see that. As long as you keep that us versus them mentality going, it's going to be hostile. It's going to be antisocial. And antisocial is a byproduct. Uh, it, it, it's one of the root causes of crime. And so mm-hmm. socialization is one of the cures. And why are we imp- implementing a cure here? So, fellas, we said we, so we're talking about um, treatment and you, in New York, you're talking about socialization. And so now I hear the one the people in Norway say the relationships out there are are friendly. Yeah. So much so that to the point to where the guy said he's given one of the officers a nuggie. And now what's a nuggie? So from what I remember, a nuggie being is when your big brother or uncle grab you and put you in the headlock and put his knuckles on your head and rub your <laughs> and rub vigorously rub you upside the head, right? Okay. Now, I can't imagine that happening inside a California prison. York, what 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 would happen if York, what happened to me if I went and seen a female officer, yeah. put her in a headlock and start started giving her a nigga? What happened to me? Uh you would get pepper sprayed, thrown to the ground, handcuffed, taken to the hole. That's in it, that's to the extreme, the niggies, but just on a on a human a human basis of a, a good morning, sir, or how you doing, sir, or just the overall better treatment. Like how do you think you would how would your how would your prison sentence be, your time in prison be if somebody treated you like you're a human being? I also think like I, I wanna go back before I even got to prison. I, if I would have felt like part of society, if I'd have mm-hmm. felt like a human being, like like recognized as a human being by by society, by the police and I wouldn't be in prison in the first place. I wouldn't have felt like I needed to take the law into my own hands. I wouldn't have felt like I wouldn't have made the bad decisions that I made. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it started with me with like policing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to prison and the cycle continues us against them. Right. This, this, this blue wall, the green wall and nobody's communicating. And that, that was never going to make me a safe, sane person. That was going to keep my insanity going. It was going to justify my sanity. Give me excuse to rationalize it. Right. Uh, it's the socialization that I got in San Quentin that changed everything for me. Because once you, um, and it's mostly through volunteers, but there are SEALs that allow that to happen in administration. And there's SEALs that also treat us like human beings and are also social. And knowing that now has changed my allegiance, right? It it broke down to us and them. Now it's more about right or wrong, right? Because when you are treated by uh, well by society, despite your crimes, despite the harm you've done to society, it makes you love and honor and respect society. And now it makes you pro-social and breaks that antisocial behavior away. And, that, and that's, 
that's one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Now I love society. I want to fix society. I'm, we all in prison trying to figure out a way to make it better for them. And they might not even let us go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. My changes happened in spite of prison and because of prison. I needed socialization and socialization works. I needed a positive outlet to find a career that can sustain me in society that I love doing. And the media center, I found that and it works. And so I found these places, but I fumbled into this space. And most prisons in California aren't like this. So I always say it's because I got here, I found these things. But I'll also say what my boy Emil Weaver always says, we could have did this in Hawaii on the beach. You gave me a free vacation in Hawaii, I would have went. You told me therapy's part of the course. I got to take some training or something like that. As long as just Hawaii's part of the deal, I'd have went. And we could have did this for 50000 instead of 108. I was an unwilling transfer to San Quentin when I came here. So I didn't like it. I didn't want to be here. But what changed me were people. The people here. Mm-hmm. The incarcerated population, the correctional officers, and, and the fact that I'm a fast learner. Yeah, I think it's also interesting that and no way they wear their own clothes, hmm. but they still call them inmates. They treat people like human beings and people get to dress like human beings, but they still call them inmates, which is dehumanizing in my opinion. What a person wears, you know, like and how a person looks um, just plays into their own psyche, their own ego, their own, um, you know, uh, identity. Um, and so to like order a person like you have to wear these, you have to wear this, um, only increases the inability to connect to a, a person on a, on a personal basis, you know? And so it, it, it sustains a separation that you're this and I'm that, you know? So, and it makes it more difficult to have that conversation about who are you and where are you going? What, what's in your future? Does make sense, but I think, but I know, I know the, I know the dress code it is definitely, uh, it definitely changes a person's perspective. I definitely can agree with you on that, Warren. I know when I was young, growing up, walking around with holes in my pants, uh, you know, missing pockets, uh, pants that were too short, and I was flooding. I know that just destroyed my self-esteem, right? And so, I know when I look around, you know, up in the, us in here, you know, we got these blue shirts on, elastic pants. I've never had a pair of elastic pants in my life. With a pocket in the back. With a pocket in the back. <laughs> That's like, it. Like, no front pockets, you know what I mean? And, and you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so to be out there like they do it in Norway, to be able to be able to wear your own clothes, I mean, that's, it's like a touch of freedom. Yeah, you it know, is. Any, 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 anytime you can get close to freedom is always a good thing. And, you know, and just thinking about that, like how do, how does the United States system adopt this Norwegian uh, model of prisons? Like how do we, how do we begin to do that when there's been so much, so much, so much dark, uh, catastrophic history of, of abuse of power in, in United States and especially inside the prison system? You know, how do you begin to, uh, to change that model. Yeah, I think that it is changing a little bit and we can speed it up. And what I mean by that is a lot of the old mentality is retiring. You know, they did their 20-something, 30-something years and the new mentality is coming in. Unfortunately, you have small towns where that mentality is inherited. It's part of that that, that culture of that town. And so if you have a negative town with with a negative uh, relationship with a prison, you need to get the prison out that town. Absolutely. If we really want to change, you know, like um, how people are treating people, then it's, I mean, it's just like a parent child relationship. You got to 
teach you know, a, a different thing right in the beginning. You, that has to be a part of the curriculum um, with the Norwegian style. From um, what I understand, it's that's what they're teaching. That's what they're looking for. You have to have that um, that mentality that, oh, I'm here to help. You see, I'm not here to guard you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you get back to your family because that should be the objective of corrections. Now we, now we, now, so now, fellas, we talked about a whole lot today. But one thing we didn't talk about is the grocery store yeah. inside of the Norwegian prison. In Norway, I can't imagine. Do they get fresh vegetables? I mean, all the meat we, we eat has been dead for centuries. They put in these forever pouches. Like, you don't even have to refrigerate them, throwing in your, your plastic bin under your bed. Or it comes out the can in the kitchen. Like, they, can they buy, like, fresh meat? Like, fresh vegetables? Are they organic? And if that's so, that's freaking amazing and phenomenal and healthy, and we need that. Just just a grocery store. I mean, they can go out there and just put an empty building in the middle of the yard and just label it grocery store, and I'll be excited. So, look, man, so this is what I think we need to do. I think we need to go get a petition and put it together, Juan, and go uh, petition the, the warden to do a prisoner swap <laughs> out there in Norway. Bring Norway to San Quentin. Change the model. So, Juan Haynes... New York, Rossan Thomas, man, it's been a pleasure having you guys, man. Thank you guys for lending your brilliant voices to the uncuff. Appreciate this, man. I definitely, uh, definitely look forward to working with you guys again. Thank you. I just want to say thank you on behalf of the uncuff team. Appreciate you guys, man. And hopefully one day we all get a chance to go to Norway outside of being incarcerated. We can just go over there and fly over there just to go hang out with the fellas. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it that way. I appreciate y'all, man. Greg Eskers. Signing off on Cuff. That's it for this week's episode of Uncuffed. There are no restrictions on who we could talk to in these Norwegian prisons or what they could say. Norwegian staff did not have to listen to this story before it broadcast. Thanks to River Radio and the men at UCSF for coordinating our trip. And thanks also to all of you who donated to help send the team to Oslo. The uncuffed crew at San Quentin Prison is Edmund Richardson and me, Greg Eskridge. Thanks to the team at KALW Public Radio, Tommy Shakur Ross, Nina Gensler-Debs, Angela Johnston, Sonia Paul, James Rollins, Andrew Stelzer, Ben Trefney, Eli Workchafter, and our sound designer, Eric Maserati E. Abercrombie. Our theme music is by David Jossie, the sweetest female. And thanks to the staff at San Quentin Prison who make this possible. Mr. Skyler Brown, Ms. Madeline Tinney, and Lieutenant Sam Robinson who approved this episode. We fact-checked everything to the best of our ability. Uncuff gets support from the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. <laughs>